I think it was last weekend, we, we uh, Lincoln and I flew out to Iowa for the 26 Below Conference. And uh, I think the Lord smiles when he sees 26 Below because he made it 26 Below. <laughs> we, uh, we ended up while we were there, there was a blizzard that came blowing through and it was like thunder, snow, lightning and blizzarding everywhere. It was, it was crazy, but, uh, and we actually got, we almost had to stay an extra night. Lincoln almost missed his flight and uh, all the roads were closed off until one opened up and my uncle was able to uh, come through and all these kids are looking at the car rolling in because they were told nobody can get in or out and he just comes rolling on in and uh, they're all looking at him like, how did he get in here? And we were able to drive, uh, make Lincoln to his flight and um, take Nate Bramson to his hotel. So the theme of the conference was Christ or culture, which will you choose? And um, Nate went through, he went through a couple passages through Ezekiel to Psalms and then ending in Genesis or I think, no, Exodus with uh, Moses. So in Ezekiel, if you would like to, this would be quick, it turned to Ezekiel uh, 16, 49, Ezekiel 16, 49. And he went over the uh, sins of Sodom, which the Lord lists here. He, um, we usually go to certain sins that Sodom had and we say, oh, it's this, and this is why it was destroyed. But this is the reason that Ezekiel lists that the Lord said was the four main sins of Sodom. So it says here in Ezekiel 16:49, look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, fullness of food, and abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. So he went through and was explaining how this would look in our lives. He gave us four E words to help us memorize this, and they were ego, excess, ease, and evasion, ego, excess, ease, and evasion, describing how in our lives, how we look like Sodom, in America, how we look like Sodom, and just in the way how we go about our day, whether we're focusing on the menial things, we're not helping the poor who are needy, and uh, gluttonous acts that we do, um, as well as like just an entertainment, just watching TV constantly, just doing simple things, just to keep our mind distracted. The world loves that we are distracted. The world loves that our minds are empty. But Christ, God, constantly wants us to be thinking, constantly wants us to be focused on heavenly things. As well as he went through on the next day through Psalms 1. Psalms 1, chapter 1. And he went through, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in season, whose leaves also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So he, he explained how, how we are uh, 
to be like this blessed man who is really Christ and how we can obtain to be like him. And ultimately in this life, this side of uh, glory, we will not be fully able to obtain what Christ was like. But how the blessed man meditates on the law day and night and is constantly chewing on the word, constantly thinking about it, whether it's he reads it morning, reads it midday, reads it night. And he said that he had a friend who um, mentioned that he said, no Bible, no breakfast, no Bible, no bed. And that's how he went about his day, as well as going into the intimacy, which he explained with the roots of the tree that are planted by that river and the stream. And it wasn't like a river of flowing, rather it's more of a stream of how it just constantly flows through, blessing the tree, giving its roots strength, because without the strength of the roots, the tree will just topple over real easily. And how with, as the tree grows, we bear our fruit. And as we bear our fruit, people are blessed by that. He explained how, in a way, the world walks by and they see a fruit of hope. And the world says, oh, I like this fruit. This tastes good. And that's how it opens the door to the gospel to save souls. So really just the intimacy of being walking with the Lord constantly, day in and day out, and how they can show that in our lives. And then finally, he went to Exodus chapter 30, 32, yes, Exodus chapter 32, and let me see if I can find it. Oh, yeah, and verse 7, and he went into idols, how quickly, well, he also, he went into how the idols of this world can keep us distracted, how the idols are placed in our lives that Satan uses to keep us focused away from God, as well as how quickly we can snap away and get um, unfocused from the Lord. And um, so he explained how just six weeks prior, when Moses was up getting the, um, the Ten Commandments, and they, the Aaron comes along and he goes, well, let's build us a calf. I don't know where Moses is, so we'll just use all our gold and we're going to build a calf to worship. And the Lord goes... And it says here in verse 7, And the Lord said to Moses, Go get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them and I will make, you, uh, make of you a great nation. And then it goes into how Moses advocated for the, the Hebrew people, and the Lord spared them. But six weeks prior, we had Moses, we had Aaron, and I think 66 other high priests up on the mountain, literally eating with God in his presence, and how just how quickly Aaron fell aside and said, well, I don't know where Moses is at, so let's just worship this calf here. And so he really explained how the urgency to constantly keep our minds focused on the Lord, constantly correcting ourselves, letting the conviction take its place so that we may um, keep our eyes on the Lord and keep serving him faithfully. And then, yes, Andrew. Funny, he mentioned Aaron and Moses in the commandments. Exodus 20, chapter 7, sorry, 
20, verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Another translation says, Thou dost not take up the name of Jehovah thy God for a vain thing. And something that I'd like to propose tonight, not to, not to say that, that this verse doesn't mean uh, not to use or call upon the name of the Lord in vain or to, to use it uh, as, as some kind of curse or a swear word, but I, I would like to propose that on top of this, in that second version, to take on the name of Jehovah uh, when, when we give ourselves the title of, of Christians or of children of God, when we take that on, we are not to take it on uh, in a vain manner. We are supposed to, to honor that and respect that and, and understand that we are, we are using his name as part of our title and everything that we do is re- reflected upon him. The first mention of Christian, if you want to turn to Acts chapter 11, read a a small portion of it, Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenix and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, And a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch. Who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Two things that stood out to me in this passage are are words and actions. First in verse 20. When they were come to Antioch, they spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. And second, in actions, it says in verse 24, For he was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith. And because of this, much people were added unto the Lord. A question I have for us is, is there something to be desired about the way we speak and the way we act? Uh, could, could we be called good? Or would someone call us full of the Holy Ghost and of faith? And why not? I just uh, took the assumption there that, uh, that we were all in agreement on, on, on uh, how we are. Looking at Ephesians chapter 1, Verse 3 and 4, 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. This is going along with, with what I had asked you before is, is can we be called uh, full of the Holy Ghost, faithful? We are called to be holy and without blame before him in love. And, and that is what we need to strive to accomplish. The word Christian is only mentioned three times in the Bible that I know of. Um, the, the church referred to themselves as brethren or saints, believers, among other things. Uh, but the term Christian was given to them uh, by, by people outside of the church in the, the passage we had read before, and they were first called Christians in Antioch. It, this was not their own title. Um, Christian comes from the root word, Christ, and the suffix uh, ianos or ianus in, in Greek and in Latin, um, when we were, they were first called Christianos expresses the idea that the thing or the person referred to belongs to the person or thing that the suffix is added to. So Christ, Ianos, Christianos, Christians, belonging to Christ. And are our actions upholding that title? Uh, would anybody look at the whole of Christendom today, the church in America, Claremont Bible Chapel, or you, and say that it belongs to Christ. Would uh, another, another way that we refer to the term Christian is Christ-like. And in the same question, would we, would the church, be called Christ-like? When it boils down to it, are we behaving ourselves? Are we uh, speaking? Are we uh, doing and exhorting in a way that Christ would do? We should not <clears throat> lightly or, or vainly identify as Christian and take on uh, the, the power that comes with that name. Again, vainly claiming to be of Christ and, and assuming, uh, or sorry, associating ourselves with his perfect will and plan for our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 We'll, we'll do our, our meat of the reading here at the beginning, and then we'll, we'll get into plenty of commentary and examples. But 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the end of verse 19 and 20, uh, an extremely common uh, verse. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Uh, an example that I think of for this is, is an ambassador. We're we called ambassadors for Christ. When you think of an ambassador of a, a different country, um, they're a representative of their country of origin and, and our, uh, our claim is, is in heaven. That's, that's where we you know, know that we will end up. That's where we uh, draw our, our inspiration, our hope, our power, uh, 
And so that is what we represent. Like I said, when we take on this title of Christian, when we take on the title of uh, a follower of the, the Lord, somebody who belongs to the Lord, we are an ambassador. We are a representative. It is no longer Andrew. It is no longer Ryan. It is no longer Logan. The, the world sees us, whether we like it or not, as an example, or we should be seen as an example of Christ. And, and when we do not reflect that, it is very obvious to other people. And I'm sure that, that all of us have stories of times when we've been called out on it for people who, who know what we claim to believe and, and who we claim to be. And the, the times when they point out that we are not in line, in step with, with what we're claiming. 2 Corinthians 5.20, you don't have to turn here, it's just, just a, a reference I have that, that reminds us that we are <clears throat> ambassadors. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled in God. Uh, ambassadors, they offer up the position of their home countries uh, in numerous political, social, economical platforms. Um, they are not to express personal opinions, personal views, uh, when, when they are <clears throat> in their line of duty, when they are doing well what they're, what they're supposed to be. Obviously, their free time is different, but everything that they do in regards to their occupation is viewed as direct reflection of the views and the opinions of the country that they are representing. Uh, <clears throat> when, you, when you choose an ambassador, you're not choosing someone who you think, okay, well, <clears throat> the, the opinion they already hold or the views they already hold are, are close or, you know, or, or almost to where the country that you're wanting to represent is in line with. Uh, you, you're not choosing someone you know, and just telling them, say, okay, just go be yourself. We think you're, you're pretty good, uh, a pretty good you know, replica of, of what we want. You know, they're, they're told with specific detail what they are supposed to encourage, enforce, what they're allowed to do and not do and say and not promise. And so in the same way, you know, we, don't, we, we shouldn't be attempting to just kind of be a close enough reflection of Christ and say, you know what, we're, we're, we're pretty close, we're almost there, um, but, you know, I think, I think I've got some wiggle room on, on the kind of things that, he would, that Christ might disagree with that I think it's, it's probably not important enough for me to worry about. Um, and like I mentioned before, that their views and positions that they express are perceived as the views of the nation. Like I said, they're no longer seen as that individual. They are seen solely as the representative of that nation. First Peter chapter four. Most of these are short references, so if you don't feel like turning there, feel free to just listen. First Peter four, verses 10 and 11. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God gives, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And, uh, and an, an oracle, again, just, just like an ambassador, isn't someone who, who takes, takes what they're told and paraphrases it. They are the, the direct channel of, of what is to be told and what is to be said. Again, we, <clears throat> we are not 
our own anymore. It is our responsibility to emulate Christ, to, to speak as he would speak, to act as he would act, and to think as he would think. <clears throat> Matthew 16, 13. You, you all know the reference. I won't bother reading the verse. But Christ asks his disciples, who do men say that I am? And, and they give their answer, and there are different answers that they give. They say, you know, some say this, and some say that. And then he continues to ask them what, what they say, but on a personal level, if, if we were the only, the only glimpse into the character of Christ, or if we were the only Christian that someone were to ever come in contact with, who would they say that Christ is? based off of what they've seen from us, when we claim to be his ambassador, when we claim to be um, associated with, of Christ, Christ-like, who, who would they have a, a representation of? Would they have a true representation of Christ, or would they have a representation of a good person? What are we doing to depict Christ to others? And now into, <clears throat> into some of the examples that I've got, they're a little bit, a little bit more, more pop culture. Um, just into, to hopefully I'll, I'll hit enough to, to kind of catch somebody's attention on, on the points I'm trying to make. Um, just also to the, the effect of what ramifications our own actions have, not just on ourselves. Because, like you know, like I said, as as Christians, we are no longer our own. Things that we do are not only. Dave himself or Jeff himself. There's there's a family name. There's association with with a school or with a job or something else where there's always some other uh, effect that it's going to have, and sometimes it's greater than others. Um, I'm sure many of you knew uh, right at the end of this last Summer Olympics, the swimmer Ryan Lochte. Most of you heard about his his little fiasco. Um, falsely reported a crime that he was robbed at gunpoint. Uh, to cover his own vandalism, him and three other swim, uh, American Olympic swimmers. Not only did he embarrass the host country because uh, there was already concerns of safety in Brazil because of, of civil and political unrest, uh, there were protests over the Olympic Games. He also embarrassed the USA as a representative of his country. He, I guarantee he brought embarrassment and shame to his parents, uh, to, to you know what, whatever college that he had went to and swam for who, who took pride in him and now they're kind of hmm, Ryan Lochte who he, he received uh, you know, on, on top of just the embarrassment he received a 10 month suspension from competition no monthly stipend from USA Swimming no access to the training centers he forfeited the $100,000 he would have received from the gold medal 20 hours of community service and he was not allowed to visit the White House and these are just the effects that, that came to him directly. And then like I mentioned, there's also many other people, countries, uh, communities, organizations that were affected. He, he lost endorsements. Um, so, so, and obviously these are worldly examples, but in the same way you think that some, something that you think is, is, is harmless, just some little vandalism cover up, I'm in another country, no one will ever know. Be sure your sins will find you out. Then, and there will be some uh, some, some, I don't want to say justice, but yeah, there, there will be some justice. And whether it's here or whether it's in eternity, whether it's 
um, you know, loss of privileges here, or whether it's loss of crowns in heaven for, for opportunities we've missed. You can think of several other people in the, the sports world who brought uh, shame to their sport, to uh, their teams, to their families. You think of Lance Armstrong, O.J. Simpson, Tiger Woods, Mark McGuire, Tanya Harding, all these different people that have been these very uh, polarizing characters just in the sports world. And, and there's plenty of people in, in politics and other situations and other walks of life where, where just the actions of one can do so much harm to, to something so much bigger than just one person. <clears throat> and w with them, they've lost endorsements, they've lost monies, monies. <laughs> they've lost uh, titles and trophies, medals, opportunities to compete in the sport as a whole. And you know, we, we are very fortunate that when we slip up, we have a much more forgiving authority than, than the Olympic Committee, than the head of a university, than your employer. Um, and all these people were viewed as icons and role models. And uh, like I mentioned, you know, we, we are under great scrutiny. And uh, you know, we, we need to live as though we are. And, but it shouldn't be just out of a, well, I, I know people are watching, or I know that I'm supposed to obey God in this aspect of my life, but it should come out of a love and it should come out of a desire to, to live the way he wants us to live. Uh, another big, <clears throat> sorry, another big person who who let down their team and affected uh, much many more lives than several of these other athletes is you think of Reggie Bush from uh, University of Southern California. He was charged with receiving improper benefits, and Bush had his Heisman Trophy revoked. USC. Uh, they they punished them also because they said hey, there's a lack of institutional control. They received a two-year postseason ban. They lost 30 scholarships over three years. They vacated one of their championships. They were on probation for four years. They forfeited an entire year's games, which was 14 victories. And that, that doesn't just come away from the school's record. That comes away from his, his team of 100-plus athletes on their roster that year. And, and they've all lost the, what, what they had worked so hard for because of one person's mistake. Um, you know, regardless of how well you live your life, there's, there's this poor taste in the world's mouth of Christians. And, and you know, what are we doing to try and reverse that? Um, it's, it's already there, it's not going away, but we need to be the proper example of Christ. We need to be the person that is the window into his character, his deity, his perfection, um, and we can't make these, these silly little mistakes that have these giant rippling effects over all the people we know, the people we love, especially here in a church, you're, it's not just your immediate family. You know, you've got your church family. There's many more people than would normally be affected by, by some poor decisions. And even just on, on the level of, of being a student in high school and college, um, depending on the severity of your mistake, it could go from detention to suspension to an alternate education program, to eventually being expelled from, uh, from the school itself. And, and we know that, um, that we can never lose our salvation. Um, so we know that there, there isn't that risk of that penalty, penalty. but I mean, do, do we wanna be to the point where it comes into question is, well, should, should he have his salvation revoked?
And then something that is probably a, a bit more relatable is, is the child-to-parent relationship. You're bearing your family's name, and, and you know some families take great pride in their name and in their, their background, their heritage, the, the, the purebred bloodline that they carry through. Uh, not naming any names, but... <clears throat> Um, so for some families, there's a lot to be lost. There's, you know, some people would take uh, take it as a much more defeating fact if, if something were to happen, if, if there was some issue with your child, if, if they were to disappoint you and bring shame to your name, obviously it would affect some people more than others. But we also have that same father-to-son, father-to-daughter relationship with Christ. It is not just a... A, a business venture of okay, Lord, you know, I'll I'll, I'll do what you said. I'll, I'll believe you let me into heaven, and I'll you know I'll I'll do the best that I can on the way there. It's not this, it's not this kind of void transaction that it is that that some people act like it is. You know, it's not just our fire insurance, um, our salvation. It's it's so much more than that. Another commandment: honor thy father and mother. Behaving or acting in ways contradictory to what our parents taught us is right or wrong. Uh, I can guarantee we all have memory of doing things that embarrassed our parents, that, that brought shame to them. And for those who are parents, I guarantee you have all, all have distinct memory of, of times when, when you had to kind of turn your head from your kids and say, I, I don't know him. He's not mine. And it's never fun. You know, I, I, I only got a boy who's three and one who's two, and there's already been ample moments of, of uh, oh, man. But, like I said, with that same relationship we have with our Heavenly Father, we need to make every effort not to bring shame to Him and shame to the name of Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1, 14 through 16. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 1 and 2. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given him himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. In the same way that, that you can't always just use bad parenting as a cop-out for, well, I did this because my parents you know, didn't raise me right. Because I can think of a million things that I did that I knew when I was doing it that I had been told not to. It's not a matter of not having the proper instruction, but it's a matter of, do we love our parents enough to honor what they've asked of us? In the same sense, do we love God enough to honor the things he asks of us? And in, in these last two instances, we are called children, dear children of God, and we are supposed to walk in love as Christ. He is our example. There's, there's, no, there's no thing that he's asked us to do or not to do that he didn't do himself, that he didn't exemplify himself. It's not a, well, God, I don't know what this looks like to, to X or Y or Z, because he was the example. We've, we've got every, everything we need in here. And yeah, there's, there's different things that come up, but 
He promises us that there is no temptation that has taken you, but is common to man. And God is faithful, and he will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able. None of us have an excuse. Okay, a few examples of people who, who take on the title of Christian who do not act like Christ, act like Christians should. Just to, to preface this, Romans 7, 18 says, For I know that in me dwelleth no good thing, and without Christ that will remain. The, the example that, that first came to mind, and, and I'm sure many of you have, have heard of this, is the Westboro Baptist Church. Uh, and they, they protest military funerals, uh, believing that the soldiers deserve to die because they fight for a country that tolerates homosexuality. Church members have participated in several hundred protests across the country. And I don't know if any of you knew this, uh, maybe some of you did, but they protested here in Claremont this last November. They protested at Claremont High School and at Pomona College in response to Pomona College's plans to introduce a new course titled Queering Childhood. And there are several pictures of them online uh, here in Claremont with signs that say, Christ died for some, sinners saved by grace. And another sign uh, that they've used outside military and gay funerals alike that says, God sent the killer. That doesn't sound like love to me. And, and regardless of whether or not you believe Christians should protest. Um, I submit that this is not how Christ would like to be presented. He, he and the Holy Spirit are much better at convicting people of what's right and what's wrong than, than our feeble words would be. Our job is to point them to Christ first. Some other examples. As defined by the Southern Poverty Law Center, a hate group is one that holds beliefs and practices that attack or malign an entire class of people, typically for their immutable characteristics. According to the SPLC, there are 939 hate groups currently operating in the United States, many of which are religiously driven. Some of these groups are led by people like James Wickstrom, a Christian minister and radio talk show host who often calls for the extermination of Jews in his sermon. Wickstrom has an extensive criminal history and has been preaching his hatred since the 1970s. Thomas Robb is another hate group ringleader, a Christian identity church pastor and longtime leader of the Knights of the, of the Ku Klux Klan. Robb preaches the preservation and grand authority of the white race over all others. Both leaders are unsurprisingly anti-LGBTQ. Anti Kingdom Identity Ministries is one of the largest suppliers of so-called Christian identity materials that present a racist interpretation of Christianity. Their products include training books, pamphlets, and Bible study courses. Their mission to preserve the white race encourages white women to reproduce only with their race and encourages the superiority of white male as interpreted from the Bible. America's Promise Ministry is a congregation that relies strongly on the literal interpretation of the Bible, this church also insists that Jesus was white and believes that all greatness achieved in the United States is attributed to the work of the white race and none other. Several members of this congregation have committed violent acts of terrorism and murder, including abortion clinic bombings, bank robberies, and shootings. There are extreme religious movements emerging in the United States that strongly oppose many things, 
like minority rights, racial equality, gender equality. Radical traditional Catholicism, whose ideology has been rejected by the Vatican, is a traditionalist movement comprised of numerous people who have been exiled from the church. This group is one of the largest anti-Semite groups in the United States. And to the rest of the world, this just these people just get lumped in with Christians. Um, and, and there are people that know the difference between, between these radicals and, and a church that meets like us, but this is a huge part of that poor taste that's left in, in the mouth of the world when they hear the word Christian. They think, they think hypocrites. They think judgmental. They think things like this. And, and it's, it's much harder to, to prove our, our innocence than it is for them to just default to this picture they have of us. Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Matthew 5, 13 and 16. Sorry, I told you you'd be jumping a lot. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of man. You, you can think of the, the love in our actions, the love in our conversation is the salt. There's a reason it's on every dining table you know, from, from here to Rhode Island in every restaurant uh, because salt brings savor, it brings flavor to, to otherwise distasteful or, or tasteless food. And we are supposed to be the same way. We are not supposed to be the bitter herb that leaves that sour taste in someone's mouth. We're not supposed to be the lemons. We are the salt of the earth. We are also, verse 14, the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. This, this isn't us. This isn't, we don't want to be the, the, the one Christian that somebody knows that, that acts the way we're supposed to. We don't want to be the, the who else haven't I mentioned? The, the, you know, Mark Stratton, you know, he's, I, I, he's a real Christian. I know all these other, all these other would-be's and has-beens and and hypocrites. Uh, we don't. We want to be part of a a big majority of of Christ-like Christians to where there's too many to say, oh, he's he's the only one I know who really acts like what a Christian should act like. We should want to be one of many. In John chapter 17. This is a chapter that I, that I always enjoy. I'm always very moved uh, reading what the Lord Jesus Christ prayed for us while he was here on earth. John chapter 17, starting in verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, 
that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. We, we want to be of, of like mind, uh, of one mind with each other, of one mind with the Lord, all, all being this, this picture, this window, this um, representation of Christ in a proper way. Um, we, if, if we are spending the time that we should be in communion with the Lord, whether it's through, through prayer or through study or, or through um, you know, whatever, whatever you know, method you would have, whether it's just through fellowship with other believers and conversation, the more that we learn about Christ, the more we'll know the way he would have us to act, how he would have us to respond. In the same way that, that if, I, if I, every Thursday night, if I hung out with Ryan Chance after, after a month, two months, three years, I, I would know how he's going to react in a given situation. What's gonna set him off? What's gonna bring him down? What's gonna make him happy? What's gonna make him upset? And in the same way, the more time we spend with Christ, the, those things that are kind of the, the gray area that doesn't, there isn't a specific, well, the Bible doesn't tell us what to do when this happens. We're going we're gonna to have much more insight into the way the Lord would have us react, the way the Lord would have us handle ourselves, because we know how he thinks. We know how he responded in situations. We know how he acted to certain situations. I think of uh, our boys' brigade group, the, the boys that we have, you know, we're, we're always, you know, pushing them to, uh, to be good examples and, you know, whether it's just through, uh, you know, forced labor, you know, pushing the gift of helps upon all of them, you know, whatever, uh, whatever we're having them doing, we don't want anyone to, to look at them and say, hey, that kid Noah is a stand-up guy. We want them to look and say, hey, Battalion 1540 from Claremont, those are some good guys. In the same sense, like I mentioned just a few minutes ago, we don't want to be that, that one Christian that someone points out and says, you know, they've got it. We don't want to be, uh, you know, the, the exception. We want to be the rule. So is our obedience out of love or is our obedience out of guilt? And I think that that's a huge part in what will dictate whether when, when you know, the rubber hits the road, are we acting like Christ or, or are we defaulting to our own sin nature? Is, are, were we, are we only, you know, are we putting on our, our, our Sunday best Christian face, our Christian attitude, um, just when people are looking and, and we're not alone? And then when we're by ourselves, you know, we, we take off the mask and we're two-faced. I guess the, the, the big question is that I want to end with is, uh, are, are you, am I, a Christian of dignity? Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we are so grateful for your word. Um, we, 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 we can glean so much out of it, Lord, and, and we uh, leave it so untouched in comparison to, to what we should be doing, Lord. We just ask that in everything we do, it will be done as the way you would have done it. It will be done as though we were doing it for you. Lord, everything we speak, let it be as though it came from your mouth. And everything we do, let it be as though it came from your hands. Uh, we are just so grateful for this community of believers that we have here uh, to, to exhort each other, to uh, be accountable to each other, Lord, when we're not 
behaving the way that you would have us behave. We uh, just pray for each and every person here. Uh, Lord, I just pray that there was, there was something um, in their lives that they've realized that needs improvement. Lord, there's this, this whole message is, is, a, is the, the improvement that I need to work on. And I just, I just pray, Lord, that um, as we all go back to our homes, that this won't be a message that's, that's forgotten. Lord, I pray that, that every word that came from my mouth was from you. And we ask this in your son's precious name. Amen.